The Free For All Roundtable. Round one. Let's meet our panelists. Robert Turner is here, News Talk 1010 personality. Vass Bednar is the Executive Director of the Master of Public Policy degree in Digital Society at McMaster. And Toronto City Councilor Shelley Carroll is here as well. And uh, Shelley, I was just doing the weather, and of course tonight is going to be a bone chiller, and so is tomorrow. Uh, I wonder what kind of measures the city is taking as concerns um, people who are living on our streets. Well, we have our, our warming center. There are now there are now four, not three. Uh, we opened another one at uh, Cecil Community Center downtown, which is good because that's that's where a lot of people are living homeless. Um, but our, we're also doing everything we can to maximize the number of uh, shelter beds in the city. Next week, council will look at uh, a recommendation to to change the warming center program so that. Um, there are places that basically start at the beginning of the winter and go to the end of the winter and are 24-7. Uh, that's tricky to set up in the immediate. And so uh, we're focused on our, our getting people into our shelter program right now. Uh, but but council will will look at a, a, a couple of motions, supportive health. And I've already had the motions come through economic development that by April, we, we want a, a report back from staff on how they can design a new program for next winter. And I'm just, do you guys keep hard figures on how many people go to these warming centers? We do. I don't have them uh, sitting right here in front of yeah. me right now, but uh, we track how many people are using them. Um, and uh, uh, right now, we, we used to hold 6,000 shelter beds. We're now holding 9,000. And so, you know, the, the, the giant warming center, like the Better Living Center in, in X Place, and things like that, didn't seem as necessary because we're, we're, having, we're having some success getting people into, we're, we're still running several shelter hotels, and we're, we're keeping people warm that way. But the four centers is, uh, is, is uh, uh, a program that allows us, we don't wait for a cold weather alert, we, we, we uh, take the advice of uh, um, the shelter intake center as to you need it. It may not be cold weather alert yet, but it's cold enough. We need it now. And then they throw them open. But these are temporary sites. So they're in, you know, community center facilities, for instance, the one up in North York where I represent is in a community center. And, and that displaces other programs. So it's right. very much a temporary solution to a big homelessness problem. Okay, let's yeah. dig into a few other things this morning. Uh, Toronto District School Board trustees have voted to replace a grade 11 English course with a class that focuses on First Nations writers. Uh, Robert Turner, it would be easy to spin this as no more Shakespeare, only Canadian Indigenous people, but you're still going to get your Shakespeare in high school. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if this is the right way to do it or if they should have looked at the whole English curriculum and just said, should we be through the whole time in secondary school exposing kids to these Indigenous writers? But that's not what they've decided to do. They're using an existing course. Uh -huh. I mean, I think for teachers, it's probably the biggest concern because there's probably a lot of English teachers like, yep, I do grade 11 English every year. It's easy. I know Hamlet. I know this. And now they have to learn a whole bunch of new stuff. So for them, it might be an issue. As a student, my biggest concern would be, Wait a second. Are these authors, like, are there Coles Notes versions? Because that's what got me through grade 11 English, so I don't know what kids today will do, but, you know, it's a new time. <laughs> okay, Vaz Bednar, there's a presumption in some quarters that, uh, you know, Indigenous writings, how could these possibly rival something like Hemingway? But we already sub in a lot of Canadian literature that may not be an international, uh, hit, you know, bestseller. 
I think it's great to have a conversation about how we can broaden people's literary horizons in the high school setting. I was wondering whether and how binding this motion actually is, right? They're asking for a report to come back. This isn't how we set curriculum in the province. We have a very kind of protected process from the Ministry of Education when curriculum goes through reviews. So if this is going to be something that's TDSB specific in terms of optional supplements, you know, let's let's see and let's have that conversation. But sometimes motions like this can be uh, maybe a little bit more performative than they are productive. And Shelly Carroll, I have to think some grade 11 kids would probably be perfectly grateful to swap out Margaret Atwood's The Handmaid's Tale for something else. Well, you know, and that that's the key thing here at grade 11. Uh, and it's desperately needed right now, now that so many kids are so screen-based. But what grade 11 English is really about is understanding the power of literature and learning to not only absorb it, but to critically think about it. That's that's the essence of the grade 11 curriculum. I, I remember it well. And we questioned uh, when, when the province took over curriculum development, can they meet the needs of, of uh, unique communities? Uh, Toronto has the largest urban indigenous population in the country we also have northern communities that that if this is successful and we develop good curriculum can be used all over the province could be be taken further but the essence of this is is taking good pieces of literature and teaching young minds to critically think about it and and i think that can be achieved with some of the fine author authors you can learn that from tanya talaga more power to you, kid. Uh, go for it. That's what I, that's what I say. So for all the hand-wringing over bail issues and, uh, you know, various other things in the justice system, for the fourth time, and Jacques Gallant writes about this in the Toronto Star, for the fourth time, a serious charge, murder charge, attempted murder charge, I should say, has been tossed out by a judge because Toronto police couldn't offer up the evidence in a timely fashion and the guy couldn't get a timely trial. Uh, Vas Bednar I don't know what's going on at Toronto Police Service that they can't seem to be able to put things in a box and send them over to the courthouse, and surely somebody needs to get yelled at. I mean, it's not like I know who that person is, but sure, it's a great opportunity to look at what these, where we're kind of falling down on processes. The article does also note that these are, are rare, so maybe it's a little bit of a cluster, despite the court judgment that Toronto police are, quote unquote, repeatedly failing to provide the Crown with the essential evidence necessary to, to prosecute these offences. So there's a mismatch happening somewhere. Yeah, and Robert Turner, again, this is an attempted murder. There have been murder trials that have also been abandoned, and all because people aren't offering up their files. I don't get it. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how there's not a, a desk at uh, Toronto Police Headquarters with a big red flashing light that we've got to get this out today. I, I don't understand it. And if somebody needs to work overtime, I mean, we've already established that's not a big deal. We'll just add the hours. So let's get it done. And I don't know. I mean, I guess it falls to the chief, right? He's got to look at this and say, how do we avoid this from happening? I mean, he's brand new, so I don't think he has to wear this one. But the next one's on him. Yeah, I think maybe we've got to send in Nick Nolte. And he'll say, you got to get those files over the courthouse now. <laughs> but I just I, I don't understand, though, how it happens, right? Like, I mean, you have have to assume that there would be some sense of urgency and they would understand that, hey, yeah. wait a second, you know, by Tuesday, you know, because it, it's a paperwork job, right? Like it's getting the it's getting the material you have and getting it out the door. Most jobs have that. And if you repeatedly miss those deadlines, you don't work there anymore. Okay, Shelly Carroll, is there anything going on? And I realize we can't give operational control to the police, but I mean, surely somebody has to give somebody a yelling. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and the fact that it is these pointed, uh, isolated cases makes you wonder if they're holding the evidence back until the last possible minute because they already know it's inadequate. And that's why that's why the, the court system has to take these uh, uh, disclosure timelines very, very seriously. If you're holding it back to the last minute, why? Why don't you want us to see it? That's the only sort of thinking that, that can develop from this kind of uh, uh, lack of disclosure. They got plenty of uh, written warnings and phone warnings and still didn't deliver until the last minute. And judges, uh, when, they're, when they're overburdened as it is, and they see a case looking like it's circling the drain and the defense lawyer is going to have a real easy time of it here, that's that is a waste of court time at a time when you're really trying to get things through this court and, and all caught up. And so they, they, they were left with no choice. And so that's a wake up call for every police service. Get your act together or this this court just can't handle it. If it's a weak case, we can't handle it. Australia becomes the first country in the Commonwealth that has opted not to put King Charles on its paper currency. Normally, the monarch would appear on the $5 bill. That's not going to happen. They're going to commission some Indigenous art. Uh, should we follow suit here in Canada? I think it's just the $20 bill, but that's also the most frequently used bill. Uh, Vas Bednar, should we you know, just simply move on and not put Charles on the currency? Remember when we replaced a female scientist with an icebreaker on our bill? Do you remember <laughs> no, that? No, I don't. Um, I think I think that uh, who we represent on our on our physical cash is you know an interesting statement, and I think Canada has been thinking about other representations, which is really productive. But I'd love to see people having more options with debit and credit cards. So in the U.S., you can have this option to have like little symbols or personalizations etched in and I wouldn't want to see it mandated or anything but given that more more and more people are are cashless is it a is it really a productive again back to the, the productiveness of these interventions um it's symbolic it's something um but let's also keep in mind what what and who we're representing in a digital context too. Robert Turner? I think this story is being represented as a bigger deal than it is because he's still going to be on their coins. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's it's one paper note. Maybe if, if it's the 20 and that's where the queen is now, maybe we should put the current prime minister on the 20. Uh, and it changes each time we get a new prime minister and that way you know who to be mad at. <laughs> Okay. As you're spending more and more and more, you know, oh, who should I be mad at? Oh, that guy. Right. Okay. Well, speaking of more and more and more, Frito-Lay upping uh, the price of snacks by uh, 10 and 11 percent. And Shelly Carroll, I guess a lot of people will say it's not exactly bacon and butter. I mean, it's snacks. Yeah, it's snacks. But but it, it just represents that whole thing of, really, did the cost of potatoes go up? Uh, do we really have to run back and chase through digital means exactly whether or not each inflationary cost is legitimate? Um, I What I hope is this results in people eating far fewer chips. I really do, because it's it is not a healthy staple anyway. Yeah. Okay. Whatever, Shelley. Uh, this, <laughs> yeah. this is probably the most pressing issue of our time, uh, and they need to do something about it. Okay. Fast bedner. Well, people people need to stress eat or socialize too. But I I do like it as a case study in terms of those different narratives we have in terms of where costs are coming from, who's passing them on to whom, and starting to illuminate our grocery supply chains. So that's that's my silver line. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, there is a, a chain of diners called Karen's Diner, and one of them is open up, opening up in Toronto. And Vass, their specialization is rude staff. Um, I would say that's a pretty tight competition sometimes in this town. Really? Well, this seems like kind of like a fetish place, but I guess, <laughs> you know, right? Like, come and we'll be really mean to you. It's like, okay. Um, you know, good experimentation in, in Toronto's uh, restaurant scene. Let's uh, let's see how it goes. But I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure why it's been a kind of enduring concept. But uh, maybe we can go there together and check it out. I have no idea. Okay. Robert Turner, I, I like the use of the word fetish because it really is a weird thing to go to a restaurant and seek out a server who gives you the finger. Yeah, it's it's very bizarre. But what would be great is if when you go there, you can pick up like applications uh, and then take them with you when you go to other restaurants and maybe recommend to people while you're giving them a tip. No. You know what? This might be a great opportunity for you. <laughs> Shelly, are you going to patronize this establishment when it opens? I People am are already not, mean you know, to Shelly all the time. <laughs> yeah, no, the no, the idea of a Karen is really painful for a large segment of our population because of what it's come to mean, and so I, I really think this is bad timing and tone deaf. Okay. I, I hate to be humorless about it, but mm. I'm not going. Then why to Karen are you being Steiner. humorless about it? <laughs> <laughs> well, Robert, your wife's name is Karen. It, it must is, be driving her crazy. Does she ever ask to see the manager? No, but she complained about something one day, and our seven-year-old turned to her and said, "Mommy, you're being a true Karen right now." Wow. Okay. Thank you all. Good to have you this morning. Catch the round table. Round one at seven forty-five. Round two at eight forty-five. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning News Talk ten ten Toronto.